Hello and welcome to Dedicated Packers, the podcast where we do care about the Green Bay Packers and we don't care about anything else. Let's go. All right, hello and welcome back to Dedicated Packers. It is Wednesday, December 27th, and today we are previewing the Packers-Vikings New Year's Eve matchup. First, however, we do have a pretty big piece of news to get to, and it's not good news. It is the fact that it was announced earlier today that Jair Alexander has been suspended for one game by the Green Bay Packers. And, uh, oh boy, this is a lot to discuss. So, let's talk about it. First of all, let's set the stage a little bit. There's been a weird injury thing with Jair going on where he has been limited in practice for something like six weeks, but only really, only played his first game a week ago against Carolina. So, despite being limited for like five weeks on end, only played versus Carolina. People thought, you know, maybe he's quitting on the team, whatever. Doesn't it? Matt basically cleared up today that this suspension has nothing to do with that. But it does seem like there's something going on behind the scenes with Jair beyond the big issue that came out on Sunday that we're going to talk about. So something a little bit behind the scenes going on, not, I guess, directly injury related, but maybe surrounding some of the weird stuff that's gone on the past six weeks, Jair declining to talk to reporters, whatever. Let's talk about the big thing that happened on Sunday, and that is that prior to the Carolina game, the Packers announced their three captains, Aaron Jones, Quay Walker, Eric Wilson. I think the way they do captains is something with how players played the previous game, because going into the Kansas City game, right after they played Detroit, the captains were Christian Watson, Rashawn Gary, and and Jonathan Owens, all three of whom had really awesome games versus Detroit. So I think the way the Packers choose captains, and instead of having, you know, set team captains this year, they do different team captains for each game. So the Packers pick their three captains. Jair, notably, was not one of those. And still, Jair went out without talking to the coaches, went out by himself, sort of slid in as this fourth captain, but didn't just kind of stand there, stand off to the side, whatever, let whatever was going to happen, happen, kind of forced himself in there, essentially made himself the lead captain. And this is the interesting part, because just so that we're on the same page, at the start of an NFL game, you all know there's a coin toss. But the rule with the coin toss is not that, you know, they flip the coin and then the team who wins gets to choose if they want to kick or receive in the first half, and then the other team gets to do whatever the opposite of what the first team did in the first half. So, you know, it's not that the the coin toss, let's say, Packers win, Packers say, okay, we want a kick to start, and then automatically the other team is forced to receive in the first half and kick to start the second half. The way it works is a coin is flipped, and then the team who wins the toss can choose to select kick or receive either in half one or defer their selection to half two. So if you win the toss and 
you really want to receive the ball to start the game. Then if you win the toss, you choose to, you know, have your selection in the first half, and then you choose to receive the ball. However, if you want to receive to start the second half, you can't just say we want to kick in the first half, because then what happens is the team that lost the toss gets their choice for the second half of what they want to do. So if you say you win the toss and then you say we're going to kick to start the first half, the the opposing team, the team that lost the toss now says, OK, well, we want to receive to start the second half. And now all of a sudden you're kicking off to start both halves. You don't get a possession to start either half. So what you do if you want to receive the ball in the second half and you win the coin toss is you say we're going to defer our selection to half two, which means that the team who lost the coin toss gets to have their selection in half one. And what they have to do at that point is to choose to receive the ball. Because if they choose to kick, then like uh, like if you'd chosen, the team had chosen that they wanted to do their selection in round one, then the team who lost could potentially have to kick off both halves. So the team who lost is then forced to choose to um, kick or receive the ball in half one, and you subsequently can choose to receive the ball in half two, and off you go. So, what happened, and Jair kind of went into some detail about this after the game, or not much actually, but Jair went out there, didn't discuss anything with the coaches, and just said the Packers wanted to be on defense to start. That's what he said to Matt Schneidman after the game. Everyone was sort of confused, looked at him, because what that sounds like from Jair is they won the coin toss, and they chose to kick in round one, in half one, which means the Carolina Panthers could, in theory, had Jair's statement been interpreted this way, could, in theory, say, okay, we want to receive half two, Packers have to kick off, both halves. Luckily, Matt talked to the refs beforehand. The refs used their common sense to understand what Jair meant. They said, you know, do you mean you want to defer, which means defer your selection? Jair said, yeah, I guess. And then Packers deferred their selection. Carolina chose to receive in the first half. Packers chose to receive in the second half. That's what happened. So ultimately, everything was okay. But the fact that Jair went in there, almost made a massive mistake, forced himself in, probably didn't sit too well with people. And so it's that combination of Jair just not talking to anyone, going out there, choosing to be a captain, make himself a captain, because he said after the game, you know, coach didn't know I was from Carolina, I guess, like inserted himself into this captain role and then almost mess up the coin toss. That is probably a big part of what caused this suspension. But I mentioned there was something going on behind the scenes. Matt said in his presser today, quote, it's never just one thing. It seems like it's been this bubbling of things. This was probably the thing that sent it over the edge. And I do think that Jair's a weird person. He kind of lives in his own world. You have to be that way in a, to a degree as a cornerback. But Jair's that way to an extreme level. I mean, he's a different guy. You want to know what I'm talking about? Just go listen. You find any Jair press availability. Just listen to him talk. He's a different guy. Lives in his own world. I think that's kind of... I don't know if if something's changed there or what's happened. Maybe it's because the Packers paid him all this money and they expect better from a guy that they're paying all this money. But I do think the Packers are kind of unhappy and this suspension indicates that with the way Jair is... is acting. And so I think this move from the Packers was, and Mike Wall said this on Twitter, you know, if if your stars are going out 
and doing this on you, you have or are about to have an authority problem. I think the Packers took this, suspended Jair, and said, look, we can't have this. Like, we set standards, we set procedures the way that we do, and you have to follow them. And we can't have this... We can't set a precedent of it being okay for our star players to just eschew these standards. And that is, I think, what this this suspension is for the Packers. I think this is a... We're going to nip this issue in the butt. We're going to make it very clear, Jaw, like, we're not happy with the way you're acting. There kind of has to be a reset here. That's what Mark Tauscher said on the radio today. He said, this kind of might be a, a like a pause moment for Jair, where Jair kind of has to maybe think about some of the things he's been doing. Matt, Brian said they had, they both talked together before doing this, and then they talked with Jair. We can only take them at their word here, but Matt said he had a productive conversation with Jair. And so when you look at this, looking very short-term at the suspension, it sucks, right? You're losing Jair, a premium corner, for a playoff game against one of the best receivers in the NFL, or not a playoff game, but essentially a playoff game, because it's, it's do or die, and we'll talk about that. So that sucks, yes. Does the timing suck? Yes. But there are clearly some underlying problems going on with this defense right now, from Joe Barry to Devondre Campbell putting out this, this tweet about how he's unhappy with playing through injuries and the way he, his play is being perceived, to this whole Jair thing. It seems like Matt has a massive mess to clean up. And I think part of that, a massive part of cleaning up that mess is redoing the defensive staff, getting a new DC, getting a new defensive staff. I think that's part of it. And I think part of it is making sure your players know what's expected of them. And I think the suspension with Jair is supposed to make it very clear. Like, we're not just fining you, Jair. We want to make it very clear that this is not okay, and I think this is what the Packers view as the best long-term fix for the organization. Do I think there is a, a massive problem in Green Bay? You know, they have some cultural issue. Do I think they'll trade Jair? No. This is an issue. Yes, it's a, it's a pretty big issue on the defensive side of the ball, and I truly believe a lot of it has to do with the leadership you're getting from Joe Barry and everything on that defensive side of the ball. I think players are beginning to lose trust there, and that's a problem. But as looking at the team as a whole, I'm not worried about Matt's leadership. I think that Matt and Goody will handle this appropriately. I think you get rid of Joe, you clean house on the defensive side of the ball, players will buy in. I don't think there's any way they trade Jair. I mean, you know how must how hard it must have been for Goody to decide to not only suspend his first ever draft pick, who's now a star cornerback, but also first ever draft pick, who's now a star cornerback, who just got paid and was looked at as the cornerstone future of this franchise. That's got to be really hard for Goody to do. It's going to be 20 times harder for him to trade Jair. That's not happening. They're not trading Jair. You look at this team as a whole, I have faith in Matt, I have faith in Goody, I think they'll handle this appropriately, but this Jair thing, I think they wanted to nip everything in the butt and say, action's not appropriate. I think with their conversation with Jair, they just, it's kind of a reset moment. And Jair, let's not get it twisted here, he hasn't played very well, honestly, for, I mean, he played well, I think he was technically an all-pro back in 2022, and he had games where he played well, but on the whole, he has not played to that 2020 
first-team All-Pro Jair Alexander level. And that's what the Packers expect from him. And I think he needs to get back to that. I think this might be a moment where he gets back to that. That's how I feel. And I, I don't think it's this massive deal, but they did suspend him. There's a reason why they suspended him. I think it's not just this Carolina incident as an isolated event, but a whole buildup of things. I think there is a, a I'm not going to go as far as to call it a culture problem on defense, but I do think there are issues on defense stemming from Joe Barry. I think he got a clean house there. And I do, I mean, I, I trust the Packers when they say this is the best move moving forward. I'll just, I'll end with this Brian Gutekunst press conference uh, statement, or not press conference statement, his press statement when he released after uh, suspending Jair. He said, quote, the decision to suspend a player is never easy and not one we take lightly. Unfortunately, Jair's actions prior to the game in Carolina led us to take this step. As an organization, we have an expectation that everyone puts the team first. While we are disappointed, we had a good conversation with Jair this morning and fully expect him to learn from this as we move forward together. We look forward to welcoming welcoming, welcoming him back next week as he is a valued member of this team and will continue to be in the future. All right, so that's what I have on the Jair thing. That's all I'm going to say. I mean, Matt, was he talked about it a little bit, then said, you know, we're not going to talk about it much more in the presser. Press kept pressing a little bit. Matt did say, you know, he believes his relationship with Jair is going to be better going forward, is in a good place, all of that, good conference. Hopefully this is a... This is just a thing where it happened, clean house, get rid of Joe Barry, and, and everything looks better going forward. Moving on to the actual game, let's start with what we standardly start with, the injury report. So, unfortunately, we're going from bad news to, I'm not going to say much better news, because the Packers have a whole lot of people on the injury report Let's run through it. Devondre Campbell did not participate with a neck injury. A.J. Dillon limited with a thumb. Kingsley Enagbari limited with a toe. Elton Jenkins did not participate with a shoulder slash knee. Aaron Jones limited with a knee slash finger. Luke Musgrave limited. He's back with a kidney. Jonathan Owens limited with a knee. Jaden Reed limited with a toe slash chest. Robert Rochelle limited with a neck. Darnell Savage limited with a shoulder. T.J. Slayton limited with a knee slash foot. Luke Tenuta also back. Full participant with an ankle. Quay Walker limited with a shoulder. Christian Watson did not participate with a hamstring. Dontavion Wicks did not participate with a chest slash ankle. And Emmanuel Wilson was a full participant with his shoulder injury. He's back from IR too. On the Minnesota side of things, Jordan Addison did not participate with an ankle. Makai Blackman did not participate participate with a shoulder slash illness. Sheldon Day limited with an ankle. Troy Dye limited with a wrist. Theo Jackson did not participate with a toe. Alexander Madison, limited with an ankle. Byron Murphy did not participate with a knee. Jalen Naylor did not participate with a concussion. Brian O'Neill, full participant with an ankle. Uh, Yvonne Pace Jr., full participant with a shoulder. Harrison Phillips, limited with a back. And Jaqueline Roy did not participate with an ankle. Yeah, a lot of injuries on both sides. Uh, let's just go through the notable things with the Packers. So, I mean, I guess the, the best place to start is on the good news side of things, and that would be Musgrave, Reed, and Savage, all three of those guys back practicing after not playing in Sunday's game. Awesome news for really all three of the guys. I mean, Savage, he's back. Nice. You know, whatever, right? Hopefully he's gone after this year. Love you, Savage, but your timing green pays up. On the Musgrave and Reed front, this is awesome. You love to see them back out there. Musgrave, he is a massive piece for this offense, as is Jaden. I'm I, I, I'm very hopeful that Jaden's going to play. It was questionable going into last week. Now he's 
presumably going to be practicing three days with a toe slash chest, go in, play on Sunday. That'll be massive. And then Luke Musgrave, also hopeful that he plays. I think that'll be more questionable because, you know, he had this lacerated kidney, his dealing with the whole thing on was dealing with the lacerated kidney on IR. So I do think it's more questionable whether or not he'll play, but him practicing today is a great sign. Love to see both of those guys back. Really got to hope they play. Dontavion Wicks. Um, so he got injured in the Carolina game. Uh, he obviously suffered the high ankle sprain, or not the high ankle sprain. Well, it wasn't really clear what it was, but suffered some sort of ankle injury back against, I want to say New York. Um, yeah, he suffered a, an ankle injury against New York, and then he suffered a chest injury against Carolina. Now, the media first reported him as practicing, so I guess he was out there with the team. Well, someone like Christian Watson stayed inside. He did have his helmet on, Christian did, but he stayed inside with the team. Going quickly to Watson, have to imagine he's not going to play, which absolutely sucks. But while Watson stayed inside with the team, Wicks went out, so the media reported he was practicing. However, you just heard on the injury report... He was listed as a DNP, did not participate. So I guess we'll just have to see what happens tomorrow. Stay posted on that, right? Look for his his uh, practice habits tomorrow. Yeah, we'll just have to see what happens there. Hopefully he plays. I really want one of Wicks and Watson to play. Doesn't look like Watson's going to be going. So really need Wicks to, to get out there on the Elton Jenkins front. Didn't participate. I'm going to say it's just caution. We've had multiple weeks this uh, this year where he hasn't participated and Matt said you know just precautionary then he went out there played and played just fine Matt didn't get asked about Elton today presumably because people were more focused on the Jair news I mean if Elton doesn't play at worst case it'll be Runyon and Ryan at the at the guard spots and that's look I, I would much rather Elton in there but it's not the worst thing in the world right so that's sort of what we have on the injury front. On the Minnesota Vikings front, a couple notable injuries. First of all, their tight end, TJ Hawkinson, was placed on IR with ACL and MCL injuries. Hope he recovers fine, but he's not going to be playing, so that's a big boost for, for Green Bay. And then Jordan Addison did not participate with an ankle injury. We're going to have to see what happens there. I don't think Jordan Addison will play, though. Again, going to have to see what happens there. So, yeah, just TBD on, on that front. It would be nice if if uh, Minnesota doesn't have both Jordan Addison and TJ Hawkinson. Moving on to looking at this game. Let's look at this game. So this is, I said it before, this is basically a playoff game for Green Bay. Playoff chances sit around 95%. If they win out, if they lose one, one of the next two games, those chances turn to 1%. They lose both 0%. So pretty simply put, the Packers have to win out, and that is going to start against a Minnesota team with a top defense and less impressive but still passable offense. Uh, Minnesota, they weren't committal uh, about their starter. It could be Jaron Hall, who I believe is a rookie this year. It could be Josh Dobbs, who they traded for and was starting for them for some time or and then was benched. Or it could be Nick Mullins, who, was, who replaced Josh Dobbs when Josh Dobbs was benched. None of them are excellent quarterbacks. We'll see what Jaron Hall is if he plays, but between Josh Dobbs and Nick Mullins, neither of those guys are very excellent quarterbacks. There's a reason Josh Dobbs was benched, and there's a reason the Vikings are considering moving away from Nick Mullins now, because he hasn't been good either, so definitely not great at the quarterback spot. That being said, 
You look at Minnesota's offense, they still have one of the best receivers in the game in Justin Jefferson. And even with, whether it's Nick Mullins or Josh Dobbs at quarterback, I would fully expect Minnesota to be able to move the ball and dare I say easily versus this Joe Barry defense, right? Expect, I, I, I said before, and this is what's funny. I got to the point where I was just saying Joe Barry's defense is going to give you 21 to 28 points every week. And the Packers just have to outscore that. Well, it's gotten to the point now where I'm going to say Joe Bayer's defense is going to give you 28 to, to 40 points every single week. I don't care who they're playing. Joe Bayer's defense is going to give up 28 to 40 points. You saw them give up 30 points to the worst offense in football. So expect Minnesota to put up, I'm going to say 35 points. It kind of doesn't matter what they're presenting. That's uh, that's what I have when we're looking at Minnesota's offense on defense. We've seen what Minnesota presents. We saw it in week seven. They're technically, I guess they're blitz heavy because a blitz is, I think, defined when you're looking at these these stat tracking metrics as anything where a team brings more than four guys. So even I think even if they have a five man line and send all five, it's a blitz, whatever. Technically, they're a very blitz heavy team, but it's not just like Brian Flores, their D.C. is sending one guy up the gut every time or has a five-man line sending that five-man line every time he is extremely smart and creative in how he sends his pressures and creates chaos up front the vikings they had a play against the Bengals where i think they had seven guys up at the line they had like a four-man line and then you put up th- you put three linebackers up near the line of scrimmage and they sent like four guys from the right side like you know down lineman, two linebackers, and an edge rusher, and then all three of the guys on the left side, a, a down lineman, an edge rusher, and a linebacker, all three of those guys drop back into coverage. My point is, Flores is going to present a difficult challenge for Green Bay. Now, the Packers' offense on the whole struggled when they faced him back in, it wasn't week seven, I said week seven before, it was actually week eight. The Packers' offense struggled when they faced him in week eight. We're going to have to see how they adjust now. We I, Again, like they fell flat on their face in week eight. It's time for Jordan and Matt to show something better. Come on, come in there with a plan. Know that Flores is going to be smart. He is probably one of the best defensive coaches. Not probably. He is one of the best defensive coaches in the league right now. The Vikings have one of the better defenses in the league right now. We're really just, I'm relying on the Packers offense to go in there and score points, which is crazy to say against such a good defense, but it's what you got to do with the Joe Barry D. So that's uh, that's sort of what you have when you're looking at this game on the whole. Going more specifically into the offensive notes, my first offensive note or key for the game is to find space underneath. And I went back, I watched the uh, the the film from the, not the Packers game, well, I did do that too, but I went back and I watched the film from the Vikings-Lions game. And it was pretty interesting because what the, the Lions did so well was just take the super easy stuff underneath against Brian Flores, and they moved up and down the field that way. Just 10-yard completion, 8-yard check down, 2-yard check down, 7-yard run, 4-yard check down, 7-yard check down, 3-yard run. They would just move up and down the field like that every single time because Minnesota, they I said, blitz-heavy technically, whatever. They like to send a lot of extra men, something like six men. So let's say they're bringing six guys on a pressure, that means a standard, let's say standard NFL defense, let's say nickel. So you have four linemen, um, Matt would say four down linemen, I would say two down linemen, two edge guys, and then two middle backers behind that. Six-man box, but 
you're only really sending four guys in pressure. Minnesota, let's say they send six, which they do plenty of times. Plenty of times they send six guys. So now those two backers, let's just say they're in a nickel formation because we're all pretending all defensive coordinators are like Joe Barry. Those two backers are now vacating their potential zones coming up and rushing the quarterback, which is meant to create chaos. But what that does is it leaves gaps in the zone coverage. And it's not like then Minnesota would leave the whole middle of the field open. Usually you have some guy coming over filling that spot. But ultimately, you have two fewer guys to use back in coverage. And that leaves usually not massive gaps in the zone deep down the field, but it can leave pretty wide gaps in the zone, you know, 10 yards beyond the line of scrimmage or from zero to 10 yards beyond the line of scrimmage. And that, I said it, well, that was how Detroit put up 30 versus Minnesota last week. They just took those holes in the zone every single time. They hit Sam Laporta, their t- really good rookie tight end, David Montgomery, Jameer Gibbs, Amon Ross St. Brown. They just hit their biggest playmakers on short routes in the flat and let them get upfield. And sometimes they got hit pretty quickly. Sometimes it was a five yard out that just, you know, Minnesota flew to the football, wrapped it up. Okay, five yards, but five yards is pretty freaking good. That's a good run right there, five yards. Sometimes it was seven. Sometimes. You hit a check down, makes a move, all of a sudden it's 15 yards, right? They were just able to, it was almost the perfect encapsulation of matriculating the ball down the field. That's what Detroit did. Set them up in advantageous downs and distances, could run the ball a little bit better, whatever. They marched down the field, and I think Green Bay is going to need to play similarly. How? Great question. Well, it starts with Jordan. Jordan has to hit his checkdowns. And I think that these past few weeks, not these past, the, the past six or so weeks, he has made tremendous progress in getting through his reads faster and hitting checkdowns very, very quickly. And I think that's going to be paramount versus Minnesota. He's going to check. First read's not there. Second read's not there. Okay, quick, check down. Get it to the check down. Find Tucker Craft, Jaden Reed, Aaron Jones, Dante Van Wicks if he plays, Luke Musgrave if he plays, Luke Musgrave if he plays. It doesn't matter. Whatever guys you have running into the flat, running into these check down spots, running curls underneath, whether it's Jones or, or Luke, Get them the ball and then let them pick up those 10 yards. That play, it was a play, it was one of of the last offensive plays against Carolina where Jordan Love threw like a six-yard hitch to Tucker Craft. It was a perfect throw, slotted beautifully between two defenders, and hopefully the windows aren't going to be that tight against Minnesota's hopefully slightly loosened up zone coverage. But Jordan threw a perfect ball, six yards, right? Doesn't seem like that much. Tucker was able to turn up field, get 15, 20 yards out of it. That is exactly what I want to see versus Minnesota. So first of all, Jordan has to hit those checkdowns. When he does, it's on Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon. Those are the specific guys I'm worried about. It's on those guys not dropping the football. Aaron Jones last week, Jordan threw him a little check down, four or five yards. Aaron Jones dropped it. You can't do that. You really, really, really can't do that because those five yards could come and be pretty freaking massive against uh, against this Vikings defense. So catch the ball. And then lastly, it's on Matt LaFleur. Matt has to have plays readily built in with good, smart checkdowns, five-yard out, swing passes to Aaron Jones, hitches to Romeo Dobbs. I really don't care what it is, but there has to be plays that allow Jordan to, to get the ball quickly. Don't just make, you know, Three guys go out on routes. They're all long developing routes. Jordan has to sit back there and, oh no, he takes a sack. Don't do not do that to Jordan. Be smart about your routes and and give Jordan a place to, to go with the football. 
my second offensive key <laughs> don't do dumb stuff don't do dumb stuff just be smart because this vikings defense feeds on chaos it, it's the entire philosophy it's what i love so much about their defense and it's what i hate about the packers defense that they don't create chaos what does the chaos do? It forces quarterbacks to panic. It gets turnovers. You get sacks. You wreak havoc up front, subsequently allow the secondary to feed off that havoc up front. Green Bay can't let that, whatever chaos they're trying to create, can't let that fester. Can't let it sit there and get to them and force Jordan to make poor decisions. If they do, you're going to, you know, throw the, throw a couple of interceptions, give Minnesota too many free possessions. With this Green Bay defense, good night. So how do you not screw up? How do you not do dumb stuff? How do you be smart? Well, for me, it starts with the offensive line. This is a big offensive line game because Minnesota sends very complex pressure packages. That is the probably the biggest way they induce chaos is they send guys you don't know where. I mentioned it with the seven-man front, right? They had like seven guys up the line of scrimmage. All of a sudden, they're sending four guys all from the right side and nobody on the left side. So the left side of the offensive line has nothing to do, while the right side, which is, I don't know, two players running back maybe comes over to, to to block, all right, now you have four Minnesota rushers versus essentially three guys on that right side. It gets tough, right? It gets very, very tough. So the offensive line has to be good. They have to figure out which way they're sliding pressure. Myers, time for him to play well. I do, I, I do actually think he played well versus Carolina. Nice little bounce back game after not playing too well versus uh versus Tampa Bay I think more specifically or you know more importantly at the tackle spot I need a little bit of a bounce back game here and this is weird to say from Zach Tom and Rashid Walker I don't think either of those guys played particularly well versus Carolina now tough task going up against Brian Burns but still they have to bounce back understand where you're sliding protection there was a play last week and uh JTL Sullivan pointed this out on the on the QB school where it was a Pretty crucial third down. Well, it ended up being okay because Jordan got a roughing the passer penalty. But Jordan had Dontavian Wicks pretty wide open over the middle. And the the Panthers sent a free guy, sent a free blitzer up up one lane. What? Or, yeah, sorry. It was, yeah, they sent, I want to say it was a corner blitz now that I think about it. And what the Packers did, or what Rashid did, which according to JT was presumably a missed assignment from Rashid, was he jumped out and took that nickel corner who was rushing, which left an edge rusher with a free lane to Jordan Love that Patrick Taylor had to step in and try to block. Patrick Taylor couldn't block that guy. Unsurprisingly, Jordan got hit, couldn't hit Wicks. Now, pass interference, or not pass, pass interference, roughing the passer was called, so whatever didn't wasn't a big deal in the grand scheme of things, but it's those kind of plays that can't happen. Rashid... What he should have done is he should have taken that edge guy, shouldn't have done anything, and Patrick Taylor could have just slid over, taken the free nickel, blitzing off the edge, right? That is how that should have been handled. That's not how that was handled. That's something you can't really screw up too much versus Minnesota, and you certainly can't screw up repeatedly because they will take advantage of that. So running back pass protection, that's going to be massive. They need to pick up their guys. Offensive line needs to be good, can't be missing assignments, Rashid. <clears throat> and then... Going back to this whole Jordan idea, don't make dumb decisions. He's been really good with the football lately. Continue to be really smart. Continue that trend. And 
I will also say when we're talking about making the right decisions, identifying blitzers, figuring out where to slide protection, that comes down to Jordan too. I do think he's done a really good job in past weeks. We saw it against Kansas City, especially where he was able to use his hard counts, get guys to kind of show what they were doing, and then was able to, you know, adjust, get to the right play. And then he was able to make explosive plays off of it. I really want to see him do that versus Minnesota. Maybe we get a Jordan Love free play in there because Minnesota is going to have guys up at the line, like pretending like they're going to blitz. Jordan gets one of them with a hard count. All of a sudden, it's a free play. Jordan Love to Luke Musgrave, (laughs) deep ball, touchdown, right? Like, it's on Jordan. It's on the offensive line, all of that. The pass protection has to be clean. Jordan has to be smart. If they can do that, if they can be smart, not do dumb stuff, not screw up in dumb ways, and they're very good at getting the ball out quickly, I think the Packers offense will find success. And it's going to be very interesting to see how they bounce back after their tough outing in week eight against Minnesota on the defensive side of the ball. My first key capitalize capitalize. And I mentioned that the, none of the Minnesota Vikings quarterbacks are particularly appealing. They're not Nick Mullins, not very good. Josh Dobbs, not very good. Nick Mullins, especially he throws some of the worst interceptions you've seen in your life. He has horrible decisions multiple times a game. I expect him to do that versus Green Bay if he starts. When he does, Green Bay has to capitalize because Minnesota is going to march up and down the field with ease against this Packers defense. Honestly, I don't think there's a there's a question. There's a doubt in my mind that they will march up and down the field with ease. But the Packers defense can steal a couple of possessions. Carrington Valentine comes out there with a pick. Eric Stokes comes out there with a pick. All of a sudden you're giving the offense a much better chance and you're giving yourself a much better chance to win the game because now, let's say the Minnesota offense would, without interceptions, put up 35 points, which I don't think is unreasonable. All of a sudden, you get an interception or two. Two of those drives that would have been touchdowns, cut down on those. So subtract 14 points there. That's 21 points plus the offense has two other chances to score points, right? So it's it's pretty simple math. Get turnovers, capitalize. How do you do that? Catch the ball catch the ball. Cornerbacks, safeties, linebackers, every single person on defense needs to figure out how to catch the ball. When Nick Mullins throws a duck to a Packers player, come up with the ball. It's that simple, and it's going to be massive in Green Bay playing and winning this game. Eric Stokes, use your hands, catch the ball. Maybe Carrington Valentine, how's the pick six? If he throws a duck down the field to Jonathan Owens, come away with an interception. Quay Walker, who's dropped multiple interceptions over the middle this year, maybe he comes up with an interception. That's what I want to see from this Packers defense. They have to capitalize when quarterbacks make dumb decisions. And then my second defensive key, and this is basically just a prayer at this point, but it's have a plan in the secondary. And I honestly, I don't know why I expect this to happen. I don't really expect this to happen, but Minnesota has Justin Jefferson, maybe Jordan Addison, just with Justin Jefferson alone, that could be potentially, not potentially, that will probably be remarkably devastating for this Joe Barry secondary. So I'm asking them, especially with no Jair, I'm begging them actually, come up with some sort of plan. And they had one last year versus Justin Jefferson in Minnesota. They pressed him at the line, jammed him, didn't let him get into his routes freely, which threw off the rhythm, threw off the timing. They didn't play a bunch of man coverage. They played press, zone, some safety help over the top, and it worked to perfection. 
do that exact same thing again. Jair's not going to be playing, but Eric Stokes, Carrington Valentine, they play best when they're in press man. Let them play, play free. Let them play physical. Let them get up on the line and test Justin Jefferson again. I know I'm crazy for even asking for this, but that is my dream. Maybe, 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 Joe, you have a plan and don't have such a good plan that Matt wants to, to bring you back. I really can't use that in my life, but... Maybe just come up with a little bit, just use a plan like for one drive so that you're able to get a uh, an interception. That's all I want. That is all I want. Okay, let's go to my final segment, players to watch. Who am I watching in this game? My first player to watch is Jordan Love. And this is the season of Jordan Love, so you shouldn't be shocked that I have a million Jordan Love as my players to watch on this uh on this you know, throughout the season you know week one i feel like i had jordan love as my player to watch week two i feel like no i don't think i had jordan love as, as my player to watch week two but week you know 15 against the bucks i had jordan love as my player to watch week i don't know 12 against the lions maybe question mark i had jordan love as my player to watch i've had him as my player to watch a lot and for good reason right He's, he's the guy that this season's all about. And for the most part, it's been pretty freaking phenomenal this season. Last six weeks pretty much have guaranteed that he's going to get extended this offseason. He's a long-term guy. But now, as that long-term guy, Jordan, you've got a big, big-time test here in front of you against Minnesota, who, I'm not going to say Jordan struggled mightily against Minnesota last time. He struggled a little bit, but it, it wasn't a bad game. A lot of people want to make it out to be this really bad game. I mean... It really wasn't that bad from from Jordan last time he played Minnesota, but it wasn't great. It definitely wasn't great for the offense as a whole. I want to see him bounce back. He is really hot right now. It, I, I talked about it. He's really good at getting the ball out quickly, playing in rhythm, finding his checkdowns. He's been accurate. He's making smart decisions. All of that's going to be very important versus Minnesota, and I talked about why. He needs to avoid turnovers. Don't give them free possessions. Take the checkdowns when they're there to help the offense move up and down the field against a lot of pressure that's going to be sent at him he needs to use that same um, pre-snap intelligence that he's really been displaying recently. Find the right play, get the offense into the right play and, and hit it when it's there. If he does all that, again, avoids turnovers, take checkdowns, all of that. This will be a win for the Green Bay offense. It'll be a win, most likely, depending on what the defense does for Green Bay. And it'll be a win for me. If he doesn't, maybe he reverts back to that week 14 game against the, the Giants, probably his worst game of the season. Well, all of a sudden, I don't think the offense is going to do very well. I definitely don't think Joe Barry's defense is going to do anything to help this team win the game. Packers are probably looking at a loss, and I'm probably looking at a loss. So, looking at Jordan, big game here. It's going to be a big part of, of how well Green Bay does in this game. Second player to watch. I wanted to put Jair as my my player to watch. Unfortunately, he got suspended. So, moving to Preston Smith. The Preston Smith-Justin Jefferson matchup that you guys have all been waiting for. Since week one of 2022 last year when we had Preston Smith and Justin Jefferson lined up against each other, you guys all want that back, and that's why Preston Smith is my player to... I'm just kidding. It's Kenny Clark. Kenny Clark is my player to watch. He's been playing well lately, and I think... December Kenny Clark, last December game of the year for Kenny Clark. It's time for him to maul some Minnesota interior offensive linemen. 
just destroy be that purple people eater that we know Kenny Clark is he's haunted Minnesota's interior defensive line for years I am so ready for more of it and if Kenny's wreaking havoc he's going to be causing sacks he's going to be forcing Nick Mullins hopefully he's starting to make dumb decisions he's going to be forcing turnovers I'm ready for a big time Kenny Clark game so that's why Kenny Clark he's my second player to watch Jordan Love Kenny Clark those are my two guys to watch that's what I have for you Man, I say this every week, but it it becomes increasingly true as the season begins to wind down. Man, this is the time when you just have to appreciate every single Packers game because we have two more of them left. We have this game against Minnesota, Minnesota, can't talk, man. And then the one against Chicago, which I will be attending, excited for that. And then I mean, maybe we have one more if they make the playoffs, but these are the two that are guaranteed. These are the two that we know the Packers are going to be able to play. Go out there and enjoy them. Just enjoy them because it's been a... The defense has been pretty crappy this season, but it's been a fun, fun, fun ride with this offense. And let's see let's see what happens, right? And go out there, have some fun, watch Jordan Love, watch hopefully Jaden Reed, hopefully Luke Musgrave, hopefully Tucker Craft, Dontavian Wicks, maybe, 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 fingers crossed, Christian Watson... Go out there, watch those guys deliver. And that's what I wanted. That's what that's what I want to spend my New Year's Eve doing. And honestly, the rest of my weekends doing. Unfortunately, you only get two guaranteed more weekends of watching that happen. So this is what I have. Go out there, enjoy the game. Have some fun, right? Don't don't drink too much on New Year's Eve. Be safe and uh watch the Green Bay Packers. Hopefully beat the Minnesota Vikings, and then we have to shift our attention to Chicago. So that's what I have. Be back. On Sunday, the episode, there's some complications with New Year's, but the episode should be out Monday morning, as it always is, after the Packers play night game. We'll sort of see what happens there. I'll be back, regardless, with an episode out, presumably, early Monday morning. Um, If not, late Sunday night, I'm on the West Coast, so for me, late Sunday night is, is early Monday morning for you. That's what I have, again, back then. Until then, thank you so much for listening. Appreciate it as the as the year's coming to the close to a close second year of second full year of doing dedicated Packers. It's been an absolute blast. Thank you again all so much for listening. But until Sunday, until we see the Packers win. Go pack, go.